Imagine racing in circles for 24 hours just to get a Rolex. It's that time again. It's time for the 24 hours a day Tony preview on Motorsport 101. that real kickoff for motorsport in 2024 who needs a formula e-race when you've got sports cars at daytona hey everybody i'm dre welcome to episode 495 of motorsport 101 your friendly neighborhood host mr harrison as ever and yeah it's that time of year again you asked for it and you got it it's another rolex 24 hours of daytona preview edition of the show uh can't wait to um to sit back and let my colleagues cook about sports cars for the next hour and change rely uh conduct uh a a wonderful symphony i i only think i'm missing is that stick thing that they actually use but we'll 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 do our best besides that anyway so joining me uh as ever as a uh, one of my co-hosts decides to do the james harden pot roast celebration um first up just a cam buckley how's it going big man uh, I wish I could say it's going great, but, uh, your boy has been suffering from a stomach bug for the last 24 hours. So I, I'm, I'm trying my best. Okay. I, I'm trying my best. It is sports car season and I couldn't miss this momentous occasion to, uh, talk some sports cars, talk some shit, you know, it's what, of course. It's what they employ me to do around here anyway. Yeah, yeah, we have to get him off the couch for something. You know, it, it's like this is his element, so we might as well, we might as well fume him um, every once in a while. But joining me as well, coming to you live from a media center box in the middle of Daytona itself, it's Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, RJ. For the second year in a row, they have granted me access to Radio Room 2. It's at the Godwin Kelly. Deadline media room at Daytona International Speedway to do the Rolex 24 preview on location. I have had a great time. I've already witnessed three days of testing, not just for the main event, but we also have three different support series, one of which has already finished. Two of them are still to come this weekend and may probably be finished by the time you listen to this episode, including the most exhilarating 45 minutes in all of motorsport, the Whelan MS5 Cup presented by Michelin. Mm. Uh, Pure, unfiltered chaos. <laughs> Look, we're uh, here rather for than the coffee, 24 hours at Daytona. Look, rather than coffee, Dan Campbell's going to hype himself up for the championship game by watching MX5 Cup. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I, I wish I could come play in a championship game sometime. That really sounds nice. <laughs> resident buffalo bill sufferer rj o'connell in the in uh, the, the right there from the middle of daytona i warn him can i can year. i tell you something because can i tell you that like uh so full disclosure i'm here with the whole dsc crew graham goodwood's here stephen kilby's here kilby is a green bay packers fan he has a very strange like uh Thanos glove of American sports teams that he loves very much. Uh, the Packers are one of them. He, he took his loss as the seventh seed against the 49ers. Well, it's just like, well, we didn't expect to get this far anyway, and we beat the Packers. So I'm not all that bothered. There's stuff to build upon the future. I know I'm not so fortunate. I don't want to talk about football. I want to talk about sports cars. 
<laughs> for, for those who are newer fans of M101, I will clarify here that I joke with RJ every season that, and this is the joke that he came up with, and I've kind of, I kind of buried him with it for a, for a it's few not years one now. That I came up with it's like old internet lore about the razor blade inside the cake as it pertains mm. to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's it, the cake was looking extra delicious. They'd gone into that divisional round playoff game, winning six in a row, and then Pat Mahomes shows up with the razor blade again um, for the third time in the last four years. Um, oh dear. Oh, RJ, I'm Maybe sorry. Maybe God buddy. just hates us. <laughs> Maybe God just hates us. I don't yeah, know. You actually saw. You actually saw you him didn't slap hear, that you ball didn't right, wide right. <laughs> That's just mean. What is, what is Tyler Bass's charity okay. that he's uh, donating to? Because, like, yeah, yeah, people are giving him a lot of shit. Like, missed a kick. It happens. It's not. There are so many other opportunities to which we could have won that game. Anyway, uh, roll it's 24 preview. If last year was the anticipated new release, this is probably going to be the hottest sequel that hits the streets. Okie dokie. Yes, um, we will get into that right after I do the general housekeeping, because that's what I'm mostly here to do on this week's episode. But uh, places you can find us real quick, we are on motorsport101.com, our website, uh, including written articles from yours truly as bonus content. And this time round, I actually did a news wipe talking about F1 going to Madrid. That's now official that they're going to be uh, moving the Spanish Grand Prix to the streets around the FIBA building in 2026 the ninth street track that Formula 1 will be going to if this current calendar holds in 2026. You can check that out, as well as my thoughts on the new worst team name since last week in Formula 1, the Visa Cash App RB team. Yes, that's actually the name. V-Carb. Um, V-Carb, which sounds like my diet habits, to be honest with you. Um, so good luck with that. Um, we'll talk about some of that as well in our F1 season preview coming up in the month of February in the run-up to the big dance on March 1st. In the meantime, uh, you can also back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. If you back us at the $5 level, you can get early access to all of our episodes before they hit up the public. Um, you can upgrade to the $10 tier if you want to listen to them live as they're being recorded, as well as being in the supporters club of our Discord. We love you guys as ever. Thanks for everyone else who's tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. You can follow us on Instagram at M Motorsport 101 Pod as well. If you want to find our personal handles on Elon Musk's failed business investment, you can at Dre Harrison 101 at C Buckley 917 and at RJ O'Connell. You can follow us all on there as well. All of our social media is on the website as well, motorsport101.com. Do check us all out on there and also i want to give a big shout out to steph hunter who's done a fantastic job behind the scenes tweaking some of the site as well adding even more accessibility options in there recently um a ticker a read time counter enabling us to have audio support in there as well as um, some new review graphics as well which i'm very proud of so do check that out if you haven't already steph is at silver code if you need a website being made that isn't requiring an awkward squarespace ad you read on youtube and actually done properly Go over there and tell her I sent you because Steph is phenomenal. Um, uh, this was almost an ad read for Silvercode. 
<laughs> almost, almost. This was this was completely off the cuff, but I just felt like I, I like giving credit to where, where it is due and deserved, um, and it is very much deserved in this case. Death's been our guardian angel, and M101 for quite some time on a website standpoint for over a decade now. Well, um, God bless her. She, she puts up with me uh, better than anybody does, even my own mum, which, which which says something. Um, right. Without further ado, let's get into the Raw before the 24, literally and figuratively. Here it is, last time through one of the most treacherous parts of the track. There's traffic ahead. Is that going to cause an issue for Ben Hanley? Here it comes might. James Allen. It might. He's got to run. James Allen has a run. This is for honours in LMP2, the second of the three prototype classes. Allen's hanging low to try and get the draft off the lead car in the LMP3 category. Here comes James Allen. This is for the win in the Rolex 24. There's nothing in it. To the line. Whoa. Who gets it? Allen gets James it. James Allen gets the line. The Proton Competition Machine wins. What a finish. Unbelievable. Okay, I love that our friend and yours, Mr. RJ O'Connell, decided to name this the Appreciator's Guide for the 2024 Rolex yeah, 24. Yeah, that's right. We, we were calling it the Appreciator's Guide. This may or may not be inspired by other concepts out there on the uh, the sporting internet um, this is the, this was kind of a joke that has carried on too far, and now I've committed to the bit. Uh, this is our Rolex 24 preview, and I guess the only place that is appropriate to start is qualifying, which doesn't take place the weekend of the race. It takes place during the thing before the swing, the John before the dawn, the roar before the 24. And Mr. Cam Buckley... You said it yourself back in 2019 when someone dipped under the Toyota Eagle Mark III's lap record that you wouldn't ever think it would ever get beaten. And it took five years just to beat that. Well, uh, a heck of a lot more power and new regulations happen to do that. And indeed, effectively, the entire GTP grid that ran punched below the track record set um, was it in 2020, the actual record in qualifying by the Mazda RT24P. Rest in peace, Mazda's prototype program. And it was yeah. a front row lockout by the caddies. Yeah, I'll get into that, but just uh, just to lay out the scene, the previous official course record was a 133.685 set in 2019 qualifying by Mr. Oliver Jarvis, who is in this race. He set that in the Mazda. That was the official track record. Now, of course, he did set a 133.3 in the testing before that. Olivier Pla went a couple hundreds quicker in 2020, but the bottom line is, all nine cars that went out and qualified in the GTP class eclipsed that official lap record. Uh, and in the case of our good friend, Luis Felipe, you know him as Pipo Durrani, he beat it by over a second. And the top five went under the previous unofficial track record. We had... We had Ben Keating go out there and win his fifth straight Rolex pole and beat the time that he set last year by two seconds. And both GTD classes, though mechanically identical, so take it for what you will, both set new course records as well. That's all well and good. 
I think that's super cool. Even if it doesn't amount to anything in the race, that's still super freaking cool. And that just shows the excitement of what this was always meant to be when this new set of LMDH GTP regulations were rolled out last year. Now we see it start to mature and grow, and I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, it sounds well. I mean, it was a very thrilling qualifying session across the board. It was a lot of fun to to watch from a from a mutual standpoint. And yeah, seeing and seeing basically the best part of, I mean, point eight of a second covered the entire GTP field. Where I'm an incredibly competitive session, uh, as mentioned, a front row lockout by the Cadillac boys, another number thirty one of Pipo Durrani leading the way over Seb Bourdais by just seven hundredths of a second with uh, Felipe Nazza in the Porsche Penske uh, number seven car heading up row two alongside Conor de Filippi in the BMW. We'll break down all of the big runners and riders in GTP right around now. Um, and I, again, all I'm, all I'm about to read out and help out with a little bit here is words written Come by on. Albus. Come on, give it your best Yenzer. Give it your best Yenzer tray. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is a kilometer um no i'm not i'm not that i'm not that, I'm not, I'm not that unhinged but um I, I wouldn't want to try but again these are all rj's and cam's words so um massive thanks to them for helping out and chipping in on this one i take no credit for it i'm just your narrator guy for the episode um and hopefully a bit more rational and not from uh Pennsylvania. So that's hopefully that's a plus. Um, they put right. french fries in sandwiches. It's not the best. It's not as good an idea as you think it is on paper, is what I would say. Um, Depends but, on the uh, French fry, really. Yeah, very much so. Um, so here are your main runners and riders for GP for GTP. And the first up, we have Team America Secret Police, formerly known as Cadillac. Um, more and more people are forgetting what three thousand two hundred and eighty feet are in society. Good riddance. Behold the fastest car to ever run around Daytona. Love him or loathe him, GTP champion Pipo Durrani put out a statement of intent during time trials. Cadillac wants to not only repeat as kings of the GTP category, but leave no doubt. It sounds like a winner. Everyone loves a large displacement, naturally aspirated V8, the way socially awkward nerds simp over VTubers. Again, these are definitely RJ's words. Um, <laughs> I would never write that. But uh, Action Express Racing and its drivers have something to prove. Can Jack Aitken do what he did in five races and translate that into a full season? Can Tom Blomqvist silence any doubt about his ability to perform in the new car? And what about Pupo himself? Nobody is more captivating behind the wheel when he's in his element but he doesn't see red mist from time to time. He sees a red tsunami. The best way for him to shake that reputation as a bowling ball, drive away from the pack so there's no need to get embroiled in shit. Speaking of shit, let's talk about the misfortunes of the gold Ganassi number 01. Borde and Van der Zander make up arguably the best full-time pairing on the grid. It doesn't matter that much, however, the, when the car is braking or getting stuffed in a barrier. Or both in some cases. The journey started the pursuit of a record extending seventh overall win at Daytona. The car was quick when it wasn't broken into pieces. I think all they need is to just to execute and they could go all the way to a title, but that cartoon anvil needs to be lifted. Yeah. Um the speed thus far in, in qualifying. I mean, it was right off the bat in qualifying. Those two cars just went out and put boots to asses. 
And we've not even mentioned that we had a late addition to the number zero one team announced a week before the actual run-in. Hang on, um, hang on. <laughs> Go on, Cam. If you, First if you of all, this car needs to survive contact with the enemy, mm -hmm. literally and figuratively. Yeah, but what do you get when you take one of the best full-time pairings in the field, add in Scott Dixon, and then go, it's not enough. This is some guy named Alex. That's right. Alex Pillow was just thrown in as a freebie. I was. I think we were all expecting it to just be the trio of Bourdais, Vanderzanda, and Ditson, but Ganassi decided to just completely overload and add Alex Pillow, and he looks... He looks like he is just right on it from from the drop of from like testing. He he led night practice, which is you know it's night practice. You're not necessarily always going to get the fast time. It's more about acclimating to driving around other cars at night. But that does mean something that like Alex Blow is getting the hang of this. And remember, like many other IndyCar drivers, they're getting a sampling of racing conditions with a hybridized vehicle. Something that I know they wish they all had right about now. <laughs> we got we got to make up for it somewhere, RJ. You know, we, we can't we can't all have a functioning IndyCar hybrid power unit right away, right? Right. Well, what if um, none of us do? No, it, it, it's it's a bit of a difficult one. But yes, Alex Pillow is the number is, is the fourth driver the in the number one. zero one car, the plus one. And as as RJ crowded did too, I saw the practice times. Pillow is right on pace straight away. That boy is terrifying. Um, he's stupid um uh, he doesn't make any sense but uh yeah but it makes an already stacked lineup even more ridiculous arguably the strongest in the field on paper um it's you it, can it, say it's, that about half of these lineups oh yeah there's an argument you could certainly yeah. make but you've got them and you've got the number 31 car in case we didn't make it clear in the description jack aiken tom blomquist and pipo Durrani, the reigning imsa series champion um in there as well in the gtp category so what, how do you guys look at the Cadillac situation going in? Are they the favorites on paper? Um, how do you feel about it? Last year, Cadillac displayed a whole lot of pace at night. The dominant cars in the night throughout much of last year's 24, but just waned in the daytime hours. Um, now, we know what some of that was down to, which we will get to later. Um, but even factoring that in, fewer cars but a more focused CGR in the sense they're only running one car this year. Um, they need to show pace in a wider, rate of, uh, a wider range of conditions compared to last year because it was very much a, ma a, a jack-of-all-trades, but master really only of the night at Daytona. Um, and that, that pace is kind of carried through to this year in terms of the trace of where they're making their lap time. They are super quick through the infield, really through sector one, not as quick up on the banking. We're just going to have to see how that plays out while they're working traffic. And then there's the matter of Pipo Durrani. Will he commit more war crimes? We know how he won his title last year. The man is as fast as anyone in a prototype, has been really since his arrival when he won this race in 2016, when he put the Tequila Patron team on his back in 2016. But he's got to keep his nose clean. Indeed. Um, a lot of uh, things to get involved there. But how about you, RJ? <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, 
I am very curious about how Jack Aitken gets along in this full season. And we know he has the tools to do it because he has a strong cedar, single seater background. He has a he now has quite a bit of time in endurance racing. And I think for there were a lot of people that were willing to point out he's the guy that crashed the action express car on the first lap at Lamont. But I also think back to the 12 hours of Sebring where after nightfall, when everybody in the GTP class seemed to lose their head, Jack Aitken just kept his cool and closed out a win in a race that everybody seemed, everybody else seemed determined to, to lose. Um, I like this addition to the team. Um, I think Alex Sims uh, will be great at the Corvette racing team. I think he loved joking about getting promoted to GTD Pro off the back of winning the GTP title. But Aiken is a, a solid replacement. And Tom Blomquist, to me, was a real surprise. Like I thought he was done in, in uh, endurance racing for the short term because he is an IndyCar. But he wanted to come back if an opportunity ever rose to uh, – to run this race, to run the endurance events. Uh, Irish Shank Racing gave their blessings, punished Shank, as we'll refer to them throughout the episode. Um, he's got, I think he's going to be running, go again in this race with the chip on his shoulder and extra motivation to win for him, whether anybody wants to acknowledge it or not, three straight Rolex 24 hours with two different manufacturers. There's a lot of promise here. Blomqvist is still Blomqvist. I know obviously the Mayor Shank situation from, from last year was was ugly, but it didn't take anything away from Tom's ability in that car. We all know how fast he is in the sports car environment. And again, it's a nice get for that 31 car, most certainly. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um. Yeah. Very strong. Two, two. Two very strong teams. Proven quality across the board. Car is good. A good. A good all rounder. Um. And that's always a promising sign and a promising base in 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 insurance racing. Go on. Go on. Go on, Andre. But but Dre, you're missing the most important thing. It makes large American V8 vroom vroom noises, and that's always what's plus. most important. I, I think we're missing the larger thing. IndyCar's destroyer of worlds is basically the plus one to the party. He's the plus <laughs> one to the plus one. They they already have Scott Ditson, who's by the way, this is twenty first straight Rolex. I'm Christ Edison. Yeah, Scott <laughs> Ditson has just showed up to do this race on top of his IndyCar commitments for twenty one straight years. He has got the tenure. And oh, by the way, Sebastian Bourdais and Ranger Vandersanda, I'll say I'll say they are probably. One of, if not the strongest full-time pairs of the 10 that we have. Well, maybe not on last year's evidence. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to see, because like I said, that, that, that zero one car was, uh, was, shall we say, Cursed. a mixed bag. <laughs> I was, a I was mixed being bag nice as in they were dragging it away from the track in a bag. <laughs> shall we talk about Cam's beloved Porsche? Well... Porsche is all about traditions. He introduced a new sports prototype with ambitions of conquering the world, spend the first year gaining results, decent results while going through teething pains, and then they take the competition to a ballroom blitz in year two. Happened with the 917, happened with the 919. But will that 963 live up to that heritage? Well, last year trended a little bit like Gran Turismo 5. Years of grueling development, only to come out as an unfinished product. 
<laughs> Very good. Well, the car wasn't a total loss. Uh, picked up three wins, could have had a few more, and had both cars in title contention at Petit Le Mans before extreme dentistry. But the watches and the titles are what motivates the squad and brand. RJ, drop that track for me. They've spared no expense of the driver lineups. There are many familiar faces just rearranged. Dane Cameron comes back to America full-time to partner Felipe Nazar. Matt Campbell's going the other way to WEC, but he's still part of this team. Nick Tandy and Matthew Jaminet stick together in the sits car, who were arguably one of the other strongest pairs in the field. Reinforcements arriving in the form of Kevin Estra, Lawrence Vantour, the aforementioned Campbell, and Joseph Newgarden. On paper, this should have the makings of a team that dominates. But then again, they could also get shown up by a pair of privateers. JD Mil JDC Miller Motorsports Banana Boat will punch above its own weight, even if it doesn't have the strongest collection of parts on paper, which, by the way, includes the first gentleman driver to drive one of these cars in Ben Keating, who's pulling double duty. Proton Competition has Mustang samplings black and gold aboard the car, but do the trio of Bruni, Yanni, and Dumas still have the fire that they did a generation ago? And how much will newcomer Alessio Picarello be a difference maker? Cam, you got a lot of hope riding on this project, and I do, and I do have to say, for the record, I think this year will be better all across the board. Yeah, I mean, last year it wasn't really a question of pace because for a fair portion of last year's 24, the six Porsche was the fastest legal car on track. Dude, go <laughs> back you, and watch Shank the, Racing. Dude, hmm. go back and watch the highlights of last year's race. Some of the moves that Tandy was making late on before that car just sputtered out was just... And that's just it. Is uh, Last year's race was good pace marred with a couple of offs and a bevy of spec component failures. It's never a good thing when the inside of your gearbox can see the sun. X-Track! I'm calm. I'm zen. I'm okay. It's everybody's um, problem. <laughs> well, odds and ends have been adjusted. They've been very open that they have been adjusting things here and there on this car. Um, there's a short list of components that have been revised for reliability. They're working on a new crankshaft. In theory, they're going to move from high RPM flat plane to rumbly V8 cross plane, but that's not approved yet. We might see that for Le Mans, but as it stands mechanically, the car is merely an adjusted version of last year's car. And it was arguably the strongest GTP in the second half of last season with a ride height disqualification in Watkins Glen and turbo dentistry in Petit Le Mans putting an end to their title hopes. Tam was seething about this for months for what it's worth. I'm still seething about it. Right now, in this moment, the air we breathe. It's, a new, it's a new season and there's new opportunities. And last year, there really was a big inflection point. That software update that came about three quarters of the way through the season absolutely transformed this car on both sides of the Atlantic. They took the fight to Toyota legitimately in Fuji, and over here, the Porsche was very, very quick. You're Porsche. You have all the ingredients. You are the big, bad motherfuckers of sports car racing. Figure it out. 
Yeah, I think they just they left enough on the table last year. They just need to execute. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. And in talking with some of the Porsche drivers, because I was also at Media Day, I've, I've spoken with guys, I've spoken with Tandy, I spoke with Larry Vantour, and I asked them about, you know, was it was it one big thing like the software update? And and to them, they feel like it wasn't just one big eureka moment, one flight switch that they flipped. It was matter. It was a matter for them. They say uh, that. They just understood the car better. They understood how to manage the tires better. They understand how to set the car up better. I think it all looks very good. There's one interesting thing that I'm intrigued about, and that is how the privateer teams, Porsche and JDC Miller, stack up to Porsche Penske. Because there are there have been opportunities where the privateer cars in flashes on both sides of the Atlantic have been quicker than the factory cars. And you know the Porsche Penske isn't going to stand for that if they can help it. But if you're Proton and JTC Miller, you're going to take the fight and assert yourselves as the alpha dog. Well, if you're JDC, honestly, when I look at their driver lineup, I see some really good and some really, why are you still here? Like, yeah. But Philip Hansen, uh, T. Van der Helm, Ben Keating, and Richard Westbrook, therefore, for this race. Yeah. And then I look at Proton, who, by the way, third team to wear the Mustang sampling and also run the number five with no relation to other teams in the past, what, five years? As you do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And with the super team to destroy all worlds from 2012. Exactly. Uh, Gian Maria Bruni, Roman Dumas, Neil Yarni, and Alessio Piccarello. Um, and unfortunately, that number five car, I believe, is starting from the back of the class because he crashed, crashed during in, the raw. Yeah, crashed yeah. in practice um, late enough that they could not. It, the car does appear repairable, but it's going to, uh, well, exactly be starting from last. They did not run in qualifying. Yeah. What that means is that, well, what they do here at IMSA is that uh, they start all the classes together. It's not like Lama, where if you don't qualify, you start all the way back at the way, way back and have to cut through all the GTP cars. Here, the damage is mitigated, but it's not really the start you want to. And again, for the privateer teams, this is their first full season because they got their cars in the middle of 2023 and have been building upon that. Uh, to that end, I get that Bruni, Yanni, and Dumas are, aren't in their best vintage, but I think they are fired up to get one more endurance win between them. And the big, the big factor for me is Alessio Piccarello. This is first time riding prototypes he tested a nissan gt500 car was a candidate to drive for them in super gt ultimately declined it but i think that served as good experience to drive something a little bit closer to this than a porsche gte car like what he's been used to driving uh on the jdc miller side well, Hansen, the only thing I'd add to that as well is that you're not going to get many safer pairs of hands than who you've got in that Proton team, because if nothing else, they will be consistent. Um, yeah. Romain Dumas is one of the stars of the modern age, even if he's been 
not quite in the spotlight the past few years. Same deal with Jimmy well, Bruni. Well, to be fair, Dumas was also having to like jet straight over from the Dakar rally over here to Daytona. Uh, so it took him a little while to get up to speed. Um, for JDC Miller Motorsports, Tymon Vanderhelm's development is going to be key to everything. He's got a, an experienced hand in Richard Westbrook to effectively take Mike Rockefeller's place. And, and even if you don't think Westbrook is all that quick compared to his peers, you know, that experience helps because Vanderhelm is very much a project. Phil Hansen is going to be asked to carry a lot of this team forward. And I like that he's gassing up Ben Keating. I really do. Uh, I don't, expect, <laughs> I don't expect Ben Keating to go out there and drive like four-hour hero stints. The minimum time that he has to do is two hours, and I think that's what he's ultimately going to do because he's also driving an LMP2. But it is kind of cool to see. Please don't wreck the car, Ben. Please. I'm Come on, Ben. You. Bring it home, big fella. Bring it home. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> uh, I still love the fact that Ben Keaton is just going back and forth with fans and just being very open about the whole experience um, and his own limitations as a driver. It's um, like he, he just likes driving shit. I know, and that's just yeah. cool as shit, and I love that. Yeah. Like, like, um, and sometimes it really is as simple as that. The man just loves to drive race cars, and he has the luxury of being able to do so. And he's also happens to be pretty damn good at it, relatively speaking. So, yeah, um, we love that for him. We'll be doing double duty because he'll he will also uh, be in the LMP2 class, which we'll talk about, and just a little bit later from now. Next up on the pipeline list is our friends at BMW, who's a bit of a wild card going into this one. Um, the RNL BMW team. And in the number 24 car, we have Philip Eng, Augusto Farfast, Jesse Crone, and Dries Vantor. And in the 25, we have Quantity Filippi, Maxime Martin, Rene Rast, and Nick Yellowly in the two cars. I mean, Cam, you had some notes here you wanted to say? Hmm? Uh, I don't know. I got good start. Uh, uh, because BMW weren't a total loss last year, but the fact that they started their program last out of all of the heavy hitters really showed, and that was nowhere more prevalent than Daytona. Um, one car broke in the first hour, the other car broke a lot later on. It did get better across the season. Um, they did show flashes of pace. They did. They did actually pick up a win from the aforementioned Porsche disqualification in Watkins Glen, and more often than not, they were racking up podiums while the others around them, well, failed to convert. But oh my God, there was a lot more bad than good last year. Spec part failures, BMW part failures, electrical issues, crashes, um skill issues as far as daytona is concerned they can only go up from last year as far as i'm concerned i do think pace wise they're much closer to the ball game this year qualified fourth um and again within that very close group at the front but the floor needs to come up for BMW, especially with WRT waiting in the wings to pick up their program for the World Endurance Championship. It's not going to be a question of team talent or driver talent because they've got that in spades. It's a question of the wagon. What's the vibes for your end, RJ? 
just on the driver side of things, uh, we did have a we did have one significant change over in the twenty four car, which was really just. To the extent that the 01 Cadillac was fast and cursed, the 24 BMW was just cursed. Uh, they made a change. I don't I don't think it was necessarily for performance reasons. It's down to just the program is expanding. But Yessi Crone kind of comes in as out of a left field choice. Like a lot of the BMW staff that has come up to this program, his pr- background is predominantly driving BMW GT cars, but he does have IMSA experience. He has won a Rolex 24. You would assume he would be up to speed. He's partnering Philip Eng for the full season. Uh, and Connor Felipe and Nick Yelley were a very solid combination. They were doing all that they possibly could to get the best out of this BMW M Hybrid V8 throughout all of 2023. So it was good RJ, that they kept them to together. Say, like last mm-hmm. year. While the 24 car was um, a slow motion tire fire, the 25 team, if nothing else, were maybe the safest pair of hands in the entire class. Exactly. Everything that was on the table for them. Yeah. I don't think that BMW has a driver problem just yet. It's all down the car. And I would posit that this year is going to be a test to see how Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan's racing's operations match up against w racing team over in the world endurance championship because wrt did not get jilted at the altar by audi and have to sign a deal with bmw to give them the top class prototype shot that they've been waiting for just to run around somewhere in the fringe points no they're coming to succeed they're coming to set expectations and this is going to be a real test to see how rll matches up against that effort yeah, because WRT have been uh, a practically an unstoppable force since joining LMP2, to which there have been very few immovable objects. Yeah. Yeah, you got a bit of a wild card, potentially could spring an upset. They've got pace, they've got driver talent. Can the car hold up over a, the one of the longest and most difficult races in the world? We will have to wait and see. I'll talk a little bit about the Acura guys on the notes that I've been given as well, because this is always where, where, where as, as we, as one of our friends in our Discord server, Tony would say, team excitement um, for the Acura all-star teams, as I like to nickname it these days. The Acura ARX06, it sounds like Chewbacca and goes like an X-Wing in hyperdrive. There's a lot different in this team. Start with Honda's North American Racing Operations. HPD is is dead. (laughs) In its place is the American wing of HRC, putting in all of Honda's motorsport under one roof. It's still too early to tell if this means the ARX06 is going to race overseas or not, but, you know baby steps the second is the layout of the two acaras punished shank is in exile <laughs> wayne taylor and michael andretti have absorbed the second arx 6 for themselves a unified attack thing is if you ignore T- cpms gate the blue number 10 finished second on the road and only because they couldn't secure the back of the car on right Acura still proudly claims it as a third straight win and now they want a ring for the pinky for Ricky and for the Albuquerque, the long-term goal is simple. Finish the damn job. How many winnable races did they throw away or settle for second and third place? They were consistently in podium range. I'll give them that. What's interesting is what's across the garage. 
the red number 40. Jordan Taylor returns home and Louis Delatraz gets the top class prototype for a full season that his talents deserved. If this new crew gels quickly, they could assert themselves as the alpha dogs. And don't forget the helpers. Brendan Hartley bridges the divide between Japan's big two. Marcus Eriksson and Colton Herter get to sample what they've been aching to get for years. And welcome home to Honda, Jensen Button. For one night only. <laughs> if you had to reach into a parts bin for drivers, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Colton Herden, Colton Herta and Jensen Button. <laughs> yeah. That's fun, Bruh. isn't it? Excitement. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Daytona fun. section for Acura last year expunged due to cheating allegations. Right. Um, indeed, this operation can't keep coming up short, can they? Surely not. That's too good. This is we. This is Wayne just, Taylor Racing with Michael with Andretti Global behind it. And yet, every time they get close to the finish line, they trip over the bar. The bar so low, I stub my toe. Now, in the case of last year, they may have been helped into that bar by um, others, <clears throat> but you know. This car is weird. The ARX 06 is weird because there was times last year where they looked like they were in a different class to everybody else. And there were times where they were hopelessly uncompetitive with seemingly no real rhyme or reason as to why. Very KTM of them. But this is Acura going for four, count them, four consecutive Rolex 24s. And... You could do a heck of a lot worse than these two driver lineups. I mean, all store, all stars across the board. The established crew in the mm. 10, Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque, Brendan Hartley, who, Oof. let's not forget, has still been putting in work over in the Toyota squad in the WEC. And Marcus Erickson is here. Solid pair of hands in Marcus Ericsson and Brendan Hartley, who is still reading from a chronically low Autosport Top 50 ranking. <clears throat> anyway, and as this is to, just to clarify as well, in the number 40 car, Jensen Button, Louis Delatraz, Colton Herter, and Jordan Taylor, who was like to call it the social media darlings uh, of the GTP lineup this year, because that is a lot of handsome and a lot of fun in that lineup, let me tell you. Um, so, RJ, what have you made of uh, team excitement over there? Um, I... I genuinely, like, I have this weird premonition that they're going to form the 40 car because I, I saw it happen in Super GT once. There was a team called Gainer that competes in the GT300 class. Uh, they had a car led by Katsuyuki Hironaka and Bjorn Verheim. Yes, that Bjorn Verheim that would always come close to winning championships and never could. Then 2015 rolls around. They had a second Nissan GTR for Andre Kuto and Katsumasa Chio, And that's the car that goes on to win the championship. I'm not saying that's going to happen. This is entirely different circumstances. And we got to talk about the fact that Jordan Taylor didn't really expect to find himself back in top tier prototype racing. I talked with him on a piece that's going up in Daily Sports Car, probably be up by the time you read this. Um, and he said that, you know, this was something different. He expected to see himself winding down his career in GT cars until this opportunity to come back to the family team came around. 
But as Ricky interjected, this isn't really a family team. Like, yes, it's still Wayne Taylor racing and his two sons are still driving for them. But this is a huge, huge scale operation that has its hands in not just multiple IMSA cars and GTP, but multiple IMSA classes and also involvement in multiple IMSA sanctioned series because they have a giant Lamborghini Super Trofeo operation on top of that. Jordan Taylor it, it told is me weird, that, isn't it? Yeah. That like they have a they have a multifaceted approach across a huge number of series under the IMSA umbrella, and yet at the same time they have effectively become, in this sense, the HRC. We can't call it HPD anymore. Factory team with now the full weight of Honda's U.S. motorsport arm behind them. I. <sighs> I feel for Ricky and Felipe. Uh, and I also just think back to like, if you throw out Petit Lama or Sebring where they were in contention and they got caught up in all the funny business at the end of that race. Mm-hmm. Long Beach is the one that gets gift all the time. Ricky Taylor has the pass for the win in the bag that Porsche is limping and he tosses in the barrier. So it, was, it wasn't really just one thing. When they could bring the car to the line, this car could get you solid results. I think they will get back to their winning ways. <sighs> they're, it's, they're training it's just, this as a It's much like tech. Porsche. It's much yeah. like the six Porsche, where if you leave that many, if you leave that many wins on the table, that many finishes, frankly, on the table for a couple of those races, you're not going to win a title that way. And between Daytona last year, where the rear bodywork mount broke and they couldn't get the car. They couldn't get the rear bodywork off to change it for a low downforce config in daytime. And the fact that they got beat by a team that cheated, um, crashed at Sabring, crashed at Long Beach, got crashed at Petit Le Mans. Again, when the, the, the ceiling is wins and the floor is down somewhere below Henry Kissinger, it is not easy to win races and win titles that way. Did you hear he's dead? Um, isn't that wonderful? Um, what a glorious day. Backwatch. Um, I can't believe you pulled that out. Damn. Jesus Christ. Damn. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even think it would hit that good like weeks oh. after the fact. Oh, it's mm, never going to stop. It's, Oh, it's still good. It's still good. Oh dear, it's, it's like it's like breaking out an old cigar at Steve Harvey's house. You know, it's just going to be you know matured for for, for extra flavor. But, <laughs> the other but, factor here, considering to consider across this entire class, is that the BOP is quite different this year. Last year, all the cars were running maximum power, minimum weight. Now the Acura runs as the heaviest. The Porsche is the second heaviest, and then the Caddy and BMW with power and fuel allocation adjustments to suit. We know what they're like maybe over a single lap, although if you talk to a few of these teams, they frankly did not give a a hoot about qualifying and are setting up for much warmer conditions for race weekend. And it is warm. Can I share some of this warm weather with you, Cam? This lovely 70-degree Fahrenheit weather down here at Daytona Beach. If you look outside for me, it's uh, bleak. That's not. Well, if you look outside for me, I just see uh, soundproofing panels. Literally 1984. <laughs> but 
that's going to be a big factor in terms of how these cars run their tires and run their fuel over the course of a stint. And really getting the best out of the tires, getting the best out of your fuel is really much more critical than qualifying performance over the course of a 24 hour race. Yeah. I think it sets, I think it sets a tone qualifying performance. And of course, you know, 35 bonus points for getting pull is 35 bonus points for getting pull, but the conditions for the race will be different. The way IMSA does full course yellow interventions and wave arounds means that if you fall lap or two behind, uh, you're, you're never like, you're never out of a race. And we saw that quite a bit last year with the Acuras needing constant oil top ups and the Porsches blowing themselves up and the Cadillacs being unable to make hay in the daytime. Everyone at some point last year got a full course yellow or wave around break. Um, But at the same time, last year, that's the debut of a new class. Now that you've got a year on these cars, you've worked on the odds and ends, you've worked on your development over a year, I'm not so sure if that that wave around and caution procedure is going to save you if you start running into mechanical problems that you have to fix every couple of hours. We, we will have to wait and see how that plays out. Just to clarify, um, on the lineups, number 10, Felipe Albuquerque, Marcus Erickson, Brendan Hartley, and Ricky Taylor in the 40, Jensen Button, Louis Dedetras, Colton Herta, and Jordan Taylor. Um, like I said, keep an eye on their social media. It's bound to be fun. Um, well, Love well, me some well, Rodney Sandstorm. Who, who doesn't? I still need one of those jackets at some point. because It's, it's very me. Um, so... That is your full GTP runners and riders, all 10 teams involved in that one. We've we also dedicated a little bit of time to the other classes because that's what we do here. We're far up on that's this right. damn Remember, show. this isn't just one race. This is four races all in one. In, indeed. So LMP3. Packwatch. Uh, it's dead. It's gone. <laughs> it's no more. But LMP2 Dude. is here instead. <laughs> Well, it's been here, but it's it's bigger. And I've got a very good feeling that just like last year, LMP2 will be a show sailor for a variety of reasons. Now, of course, last year gave us the best finish of the IMSA season, in my opinion, where Proton Competition, yes, the team that now runs the Porsches and some cars we'll talk about later, were days away from a crash that could have ended the race before it began when young Francesco Pizzi almost tubbed the car uh, in afternoon practice. But they rebuilt the car and came back to from multiple laps down to win by 16 milliseconds when here comes that James Allen of Australia popped out <laughs> and slung past Ben Hanley at the finish line. So that's one reason. The other reason is that this is also, hands down, the deepest LMP2 field in the world at the moment, because if you haven't been following along, the FIA World Endurance Championship no longer has LMP2 as a full-time class member. It's just safe for Lamar. So that means what happens in those regional series, that's IMSA, the European Lamar series, and the Asian Lamar series, matters. And that matters especially for the teams and their bronze-rated gentlemen drivers who... We love to pick on them sometimes, but they are competing just as hard to get themselves and their teams a golden ticket to the 24 hours of the law. And there are many ways you could do that. And one of them is by winning the Jim Truman Award for being the best bronze driver in the LMP2 class. And that means 
aiming for a championship, and a good way to start with that is by winning the 24 hours of Daytona. Now, I know you've you've got it in notes form here, RJ, but you've, do you feel like this is a two-team race at the front of the field here in terms of quality? Uh, that's, that's the general assumption going into this because there's two that really stick out. We talked about Ben Keating. He's, of course, driving one of United Autosports' two full-time cars, which is a new operation. They partnered up with Junior 3 Racing, who still wanted to have a presence in some form after LMP3 shuttered. So what better way to do that than to basically give United Autosports a base to which to run their American operations. And Ben Keating was smart in choosing them as their team. And as I mentioned earlier, he just won his fifth straight LMP2 poll. That's That ties Nick Tandy's record for the most polls in any class, by the way, which is mm. crazy. But the other big contender, and I mentioned this last year, is George Kurtz, gentleman driver for CrowdStrike Racing by Algar Pro Racing. He is Mr. CrowdStrike, and he's been gaining pace and gaining consistency in LP2 cars across a multitude of series, including the Asian and European Le Mans series, and of course, IMSA. And he is the driver that won the Jim Truman Award last year. But there's another interesting dynamic to ponder. Is it those two bronze-rated drivers that are going to be the difference maker, or is it going to be their supporting classes, supporting cast that swing the differences? Because United's number two car has Nico Pino, young Chilean driver, promising talent. Ben Hanley, of course, we know him. We just talked about him. He's hungry to get that Lama win, that Daytona win that eluded him. And some guy named Pato Ward from Mexico, you know, he's uh, he's actually an IMSA series champion from way back in the day. And the last time he turned up at this race, he won a Rolex. Yeah, that guy. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But then you look over at CrowdStrike Racing by APR. And I look at Colin Braun, who should still be in a GTP ride. He sees this as an opportunity to reconnect with Kurtz, who's his longtime friend. Uh, he's been coaching him for over a decade. So they have an opportunity to do somewhere. I still think it got really done dirty by the explosion of Punish Shank, but that's neither here nor there. He's not treating this as punishment. And Malta Jakobsen is a Peugeot hypercar development driver, but he's got bucket loads of talent. Like if he doesn't pan out in hypercar, it's it's not going to be his fault. And hey, Toby Sowery, Indy Nets race winner as like a plus one to that if you roll the dice and you hit on that hey that's just one more strong component to this four car team it's it's going to be tough because i for this i really feel like obviously the first thing if you're a gentleman driver make sure you run a clean race and don't get involved in any stupid accidents of course but this is one where i feel like the pro drivers take over later on in the race they could be the difference makers Oh man, I'm I'm really excited about this. Yeah, because also, I mean, yeah. this LMP2 driver, this LMP2 driver lineup is kind of littered with either IndyCar stars who are uh, stepping in for this all-star game of motorsport, um, or they're drivers who really should have a manufacturer drive and don't for one reason or the other. That's what yeah. a lot of this P2 team um, dynamic is. But then. I mean, looking at that two team, Ben Keating is the ultimate cheat code because as a bronze, he is him. Yeah. 
He's a tremendous bronze. George Kurtz is a great bronze. I mean, as, as a more casual viewer, hi, me over here, um, just to pu- just to pluck some of the names out in the LMP2 class that you, pr- which you might recognize or probably do recognize from other series, we've got Manny Brabham here in the AO Racing team. You've, you've got... Spike! Uh, Spike yeah, is here. You've got you've got infamous podcaster Clement Novalak in the Inter Europol team alongside Tom Dillman. Um, you've got Nolan Siegel who uh, blew who blew who blew some minds in the in Indy Next last year. Uh, still only eighteen years of age at Sean Creech Motorsport over there. You've got Felix Rosenquist and Paul DeResta in the other United Motorsports number twenty two as well. Thank on, God, Tim, Tom Dillman is out of that bucket of green fuck. <laughs> thank god he will he will turn into a corner and i think he might cry tears of joy in, indeed in you got in, in the 18 era motorsport car you've got indy next champion of last year christian rasmussen in there in the number eight tower car ferdinand Habsburg's back in there alongside scott mclaughlin who is who is back and hopefully he won't take out any frenchman in the middle of the race this year that would be a plus for him as well. So there are some big names. And I've been even mentioned Lee Wadu over there at the Richard Mill team in the 88 car as well, who's one of the fastest women in the world, period. Point blank. End of discussion. Um, and uh, yeah, Kiffin Simpson, uh, who's going to be racing the IndyCar full-time this year as well in the Dragon Speed 81 car. So keep a tab on NMP2 as this race goes on if you're going to be watching this week. And there's a lot of recognizable names that are going to add a lot of fun to this class this I'm year. I'm just concerned... Because last year, LMP2, when the good drivers were in, they were good. And when some of the drivers who do this as a hobby were in, not so well, good. the repair bills were astronomical. Also, RJ, I know you wanted to mention the fact that there is one outlier when it comes to the chassis providers for this class this year. Yeah, oh, that's God right. God help them. You mentioned Leger. You mentioned Sean Creech Motorsports. I just gave away the game. They are bringing back the Leger JSP27 uh, to IMSA competition for the first time in a hot minute. So if this is your first time following LP2. God have mercy on their soul as they stand before the Orica Armada. Yeah. Um, The trouble with the Leger is not that it's slow but it has never been fragile fragile parts and particular the gearbox has been identified has been known to be a weak point and well it's a good thing that the gearbox has never break at a track where you are on full throttle the majority of the lap (sighs) yeah they've got They've got Joao Barbosa, who even his 50s is still a solid hand to guide the team. You've got aforementioned Noli Siegel and Johnny Edgar, former Red Bull Junior team prospect. And Dr. Lance Wilsey, yes, he's new to P2 racing, but here's the other thing, too. I think a lot of people have made a big deal about a number of P3 amateur drivers moving up to B2 and like, oh no, how are they going to cope with faster cars with more downforce? In a way, I think it might actually be like better for them to not be roughly in the same performance window as a GT3 car, because that is an awkward window to be in. Uh, we'll see how this theory tests itself. Uh, obviously, I think my, my a lot of people... Yeah. really with the Leger isn't so much the fragility because we've seen them finish this race before. My really big concern is the fact that while this car is not slow, 
it's always been very, very difficult to set up. Yeah. Whereas the Orica is more or less the most plug and play car that I think we've seen uh, out of that class, maybe ever. You put it on the track, you can throw damn near any setup in it, and the car is happy um, through most corners, through most conditions. That's what they're up against. Uh, well, the Riley Multimatic scored a podium here one time. Remember that car? Well, funny you oh. mention it because Riley is here, not with a Riley Multimatic, but with an Orca chassis. Uh, they have some guy named Felipe who's Brazilian and won a bunch of... Of course, I'm talking about Felipe Fraga, who is sharing mm. the car for the full season with Gar Robinson. They've also got Josh Burton and some stock car Brazil driver named Felipe Massa, who is just huh? adding a little <laughs> extra sprinkling of stardust to this field. I yes. would not count out this car as an outsider for the win and the championship. Gar Robinson is not a traditional bronze driver in that he is under the age of 40 and has quite a bit of road racing experience. Felipe Fraga and Josh Burton are two very, very good prototype drivers. And hey, Felipe Massa to add a little extra star power. What could possibly go wrong? Never hurts when, when he got a former F1 championship runner-up with 11 Grand Prix wins to his name in the field. Never former hurts. Former F1 what? Ch- championship runner-up. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, I'm being that guy. <laughs> uh, it depends on who you ask in the legal system. Um, anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about GTD as well before we get out of here. Of course, split up into GTD and GTD Pro. There's 36 uh, teams in total will we'll also take the grid uh, in, in the GT3 cars over the course of the race. We would be here for another two hours if we went through every single one of them, but thankfully RJ helped out with the key things to note. An American rivalry rekindled. Chevrolet Corvette versus Ford Mustang. Yes, Ford Mustang in both GTD classes. Corvette with, uh, and if he's put a line through Corvette racing, that's not really a thing anymore. I can't believe Miller- it's not a factory car. I know! Matt Pratt, Miller Motorsports, and Canadian customer team AWA, Ford with Multimatic Motorsports and Proton Competition. They've got new cars, and Aston Martin has a new evolution of the Vantage GT3 with the Heart of Racing team in both classes. Worth pointing out as well, the most women ever taking part in the history of the Rolex 24, nine of them will, will be on the grid, um, eight of them in GTD, uh, Bovi, Gatin, Frey, Dorian Pan, and Iron Dames, you may have also heard it was announced for the F1 Academy uh, next season with Mercedes um, back in, which is eyebrow raising to say the least, hopefully in a good way. We all know, we all love the Iron Dames, they'll be there as well. Uh, Leg, Monk, Calderon in Gradient Racing, and Harrison in WTR Andretti. No relation, unfortunately. Um, so very, very cool to see a literally historic Rolex for female representation in motorsport. We love that. Also, Paul Miller, Paul Miller Racing moves up to GTD Pro after dominating GTD. Faf Motorsports switches allegiances to McLaren. You may have seen some of that on social media, um, thinking, God, do we have to get rid of this now? Um, and the jokes uh, regarding them, because they've hired a couple of podcasters, apparently they're racing drivers in their spare time. More on that in a minute. Um, and can Vassa Sullivan repeat with the oldest car in the field? And Rexy in the top class, on pole for AO Racing, because apparently Let's the Porsche go! works now. <laughs> the Rexy. Porsche works now well the porsche was not subjected to the worst bop we've ever seen 
unfortunately, well, it's not perfect across the grid, but, uh, man. We have uh, two cars in the class that have no idea what a kilometer is. And God, the Mustang sounds really, really good. It does sound so good. Uh, this is uh, this is from a lot of the same brain trust that brought you the the controversial but still captivating Ford GTE program. We we got to see that car's last race in person. Feels really weird that that was so long ago now. Um, yeah, that's crazy. The uh, Corvette. I can't believe it's not the same car because well, it's not quite the same car. Same base, yeah. same powertrain, um, but rebuilt to GT3 regulations and run by it's totally not the factory team with a different brand on, on it. No. Uh, it's definitely not painted the same. It definitely doesn't have some of the same drivers or with the same backing behind it. No, no. no. <laughs> Antonio Garcia, um, Danny Jinkadetta, and Addict Sims in that number three car is purely coincidental. It has nothing to do with last year, honest. Yeah, just uh, like was, just like Tommy Milner, Nick Katzberg, and Alabama in the four car. And by the way, one thing that is pretty cool is that this is the technically the third year of GTD Pro. It is the successor to GTLM, which ran the old GTE cars, but this is the first time that not just one, but multiple teams are running two cars for the full season. In fact, our full season entries in GTD Pro have doubled. Almost we doubled. That's great. Yeah, you now have, you know, real representation from a couple because really the last couple of years from Corvette were development in the background of this car while running a downgraded GTE car. Um, and while this at the same time, this Ford has been brewing in the background, we have the revised Aston. Um, the Porsche didn't get fucked this year on BOP, which is fantastic news. Um, same for you, maybe. <laughs> well, look, Rexy is looking just so perfect. Hungry. Nom, 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 nom cars. Hopefully not. Hopefully not during the race. I would rather they not, you know, bite the ass of other cars. Indeed, indeed, we mentioned the Faf Motorsport team. They're running a D. Like it's weird seeing GT3 cars based on cars that, in their road form, have more power than God, like the McLaren 720S. Which <laughs> the clues in the name, folks, um, um, on that one. Um, but yeah, they're running their GT3 under the McLaren banner, and I kind of have to root for them because it's James Hinchcliffe's team, um, and and he's the Canadian representation on the Canadian team. We have to root for him in this house alongside Oliver Jarvis, uh, Marvin Kirkhofer, and Alex Rossi, which is quite the lineup, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> and people, people kind of forgot that, like, before Alexander Rossi got it in F1, then got it in IndyCar, like, he was dabbling in endurance, although that was mostly in prototypes. He's never had a sense of experience in a GT car. And you talk about your guy, James Hinchliffe. This is the most racing he's done in a hot minute since he quietly quietly retired from IndyCar competition to go into the commentary booth. So it's interesting to see what comes of that. Uh, one we'll other thing say, to point out. Um, yeah. Having just dropped on Sports Car 365, um, wholesale BOP changes for the GTD grid. 
Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, brother, I didn't uh, want to make this all point. <laughs> uh, well, ten, 10 of the 11 GT3 manufacturers impacted by BOP adjustments ahead of Rolex 24. Oh, and we're they literally it's redid the whole again. class. It's we, we're gi- again. Dude, we're, gi- and we're giving clicks to, the co- to my competition. That's even worse. Uh, all right, we can just blank <laughs> out. Uh, uh, beep, okay. out, beep out the name of the sport of the... Uh, of the website <laughs> yeah I'll, 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 i'm at a bleep in post-production <laughs> but, uh, love you jamie yeah. <laughs> oh dear uh, but, uh, some quite quite heavy adjustments as well uh bunch of horsepower revisions bunch of weight revisions oh dear well we'll probably talk about that a little bit more next week when cam inevitably has another bop rant going into a race in sports cars because cam never does that on this show isn't that right cameron <laughs> well maybe these sanctioning bodies should simply stop dicking around <laughs> uh before we before we get to that though is it is this the time where we uh where we lay out our predictions if we want I to lay them we, out, that's fine. I think I think we should. I think we should at least for the for the GTP category because that's always the most fun. That's let's be that's what we're really here for. The main yeah. event of the evening. We did it. We did it with Le Mans last year. And yes, man who picked fifty one last year, still quietly quite smug about that this year. Um, gentlemen, let's let's quickly have a couple of picks here. Um, who are you going to pick for your overall Daytona victory this year? I'm going to start with mine, and I'm going to start with uh, who I think is going to win the race overall. Um, We talked about the Ganassi Cadillac racing, the gold Cadillac. Uh, I think what better way to exercise the demons of last year than by giving Chip Ganassi racing a seventh overall victory at the Rolex 24 Hours and Cadillac's first since the time before COVID. <laughs> um, I got the zero one Cadillac win in this race. What about you, Cam? Well, slightly down off of their sister car in qualifying, but given the lineup they've got, given the year of uh, correcting the little niggling issues, I still have to roll with the six. The app key, the I like six. how they've looked through. I like how they've looked through practice as well. Number six, the Porsche Penske, Kevin Estra, Matthew Jamini, Nick Tandy, Lawrence Van <sighs> I kind of wanted to say the O one caddy myself, but I just have this feeling that this is going to be the time they put it all together. I'm going to go for the number ten, uh, Wayne Taylor Racing Team. Philippe, Marcus, Brendan, and Ricky, I think it's their time. I think they're going to put it all together again, and I think they'll come through when it matters most. I, I just I just have a vibe with that team. I just do. And I, I, I've got a feeling that they'll come through this time again, although I do really like RJ's picking the number one team. I think if if they can keep it relatively trouble-free, I think they're going to be a very, very hard team to beat um, on 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 paper alone but that's the beauty of 24-hour endurance races they are not decided on paper they are decided uh, in the in, in in the battlegrounds of daytona's infield and trioval it's going to be a very very fun time remember folks in the uk if you're listening in from the uk i one of our most listened to countries here you can watch for free imsa.tv um do go over there and watch support it they've got the radio le mans team in there again for another year do listen in um make Live it worthwhile and free for all 
Yes. Yeah. Free accessible motorsport. How about that, TNT? Who would have um, guessed? <laughs> who, would, who would have guessed it? So, yes, yeah, IMSA.tv, watch along for free. Um, it's free. It's available. It's not geo-blocked. Just head up the website. There's a stream ready with your name on it. Get in there and watch along if you haven't already. It's a very fun race. Take it from me, the not big sports car guy. It's a lot of fun. I have watched it in full for the last three years, as much as I can anyway. And uh, being fun employed, I've got even more free time to be able to do that over the weekend. Ding! So that's that's that's, that's going to be fun. So uh, we'll do check that out. We'll be back next week for a full review of that, as well as a double header in Formula E, because they're heading to Diria this weekend as well. Can Pascal Verline do what he did last year and double up? I know a certain co-host, Mr. Buckley, will be very happy if Pascal could keep up that early season form that he has done so in years prior. So do watch along for that. We'll double up. And we're going to have Sasha Garlick back on uh, as well for those two episodes next week as well. So that's bound to be even more fun with the four of us in the box. Looking forward to that. Enjoy Rolex. Enjoy Formula E this week weekend and hopefully we won't have any more crazy name changes between now and then but uh enjoy the race uh until next time we're back for a full review of that next week so but until then i've been dre harrison they've been cam buckley and rj o'connell enjoy the weekend and until then sayonara later y'all Please, please, no dentistry. Look, Begging Cody Ware. Cody Ware in an LMP3 has been confined oh, to Ware. a sub series. No, it's Cody Ware. <laughs> it's fine. We have nothing to worry about.